this is Nick Scratch broadcasting to you live from, uh, well, I'm not really sure where I am anymore. It, it used to be Irene's basement, but it's so dark down here that I can't be sure anymore. I, I feel like I'm in a production of Waiting for Godot being performed without lights in a coal mine. If you have some infrared glasses I could borrow, that would certainly be nice. But in the meantime, why don't we reach into the vault and see what we have for this week's episode. Oh, and it's another premiere. It's the second episode of the Mad Men's Guild. In our first episode, we met the Mad Hatters, chaotic figures who watch over the citizens of Copperstein City. They tell the tale of Simon, a student at the university who's searching for his missing mentor, Professor Peenhammer. Meanwhile, at the Copperstein Madman's Guild, a mysterious woman with a boot on her head has arrived at the door. Will Simon find Professor Peenhammer? Will the Madmen figure out the identity of the boot-clad woman? Does any of this nonsense make any sense whatsoever? Perhaps not, but it's still fun all the same. Here's episode two of the Madman's Guild, entitled Attention Copperstein. The Madman's View presents I've Got No Spoon by Isaiah Bobnick. Chapter 2 Attention Copperstein. They've come back. Rose Van, put down the secateurs. Oh, Piffle, we'll have to finish this jigsaw later. When last we left you to fend for yourself, the Copperstein Madman's Guild had received a curious new admission. Professor Peenhammer had vanished from Excelsior University, and her faithful assistant, Simon Sparkowitz, was determined to find out why. And Eloise Trapeze's robot beezers were being bothered by pesky wayward wireless frequencies, and she was determined to find out how. In the meanwhile time, the colleague and I were engaged in an examination of our own to confirm the verisimilitude of our new friend's qualifications. Do let's see. Idiota vulgara, I would say. Do you concur? Isn't this a supreme fish delight? Wholeheartedly. To quite the literal degree, it would seem. Those doilies are meant for guests, precious. What does she register on the lunimeter? Sixty-four pine cones at the moment. No, uh, hang on. Forty hedgehogs. Uh, no, tell a lie. Uh, Ninety-eight thimbles. Oh, piffle, the bloody thing's reading itself again. It still can't make sense of its own silly existence. Thank you all for coming. Merry Gladstein. Hand me the poking stick, would you? Here you are. Thank you. Clear. Oh, can I have a go? Curious. Expletive pinning in response to stimulative prodding. Hand us the magritte, will you? Ta. See here, this is not a pipe. What, then, is it? The lamppost is impersonating Caesar again. Hmm, that's a new one. I would classify her logic usage as oblong. Shall we try the ink blot test? Might as well. Paper. Ah, oh, thank you. Inkwell. Ah, oh, thank you. Here you are, ducky. Splotch out whatever comes to mind. 
Well, her aim's rubbish, but she's got quite the eye for interior decor. Indeed. Those curtains look vastly improved. If you tilt your head and squint a bit, it almost looks like a lizard on a penny farthing. Egg! Well, she certainly... Big egg! Uh, quite. She certainly passes the margin for qualification. Rather. Definitely not faking it, this one. A prime specimen. Still, there's something that feels amiss in her madness. Something I just can't put my finger on. I know what you mean. Like, like something hiding in plain sight that's just tickling my intuition. Something familiar. Like an old memory trying to barge its way to the front of a very long queue. But everyone in front of it has obtrusively wide posteriors and hats with big floofy feathers on them. You don't suppose we're remembering something in reverse, do you? Perhaps, but there's still something... Hey, gods! Do you remember the brouhaha-ha-ha in Bonagia a few years back? Gadzooks! You don't think... Why not? But surely... What else? How would... Don't you remember? Ah, yes. And then... Uh, with the... Precisely. And no one would ever know. Precisely again. Insidious. But who would ever? And why? Perhaps... If it's possible. Of course it is. But who's to say? When's lunch? Noon 30. If only there was some way. But there is. Is there? Don't you recall the... <gasps> oh, yes. Indeed. Pete the penguin's purple. I think it's past time we introduce our new friend to Dr. Knochengroost. As my colleague and I conducted the guild's newest member to the Wendell Pulsiferous Memorial Alchemy Lab, Simon Sparkowitz's day was only getting worse. After fine-tooth combing every inch of the university in which he was permitted, and several in which he wasn't, Simon had still found no trace of the professor's missing notebook, and now it was time to go to work. Simon, like his mentor, was a creature of order. It was one of the reasons that she had liked him, and he had respected her. Professor Beanhammer had taught him to notice and find satisfaction in the routine of all things, as one would in the unchanging passage of time. I could vomit. Likewise, but regardless of how unforgivably, unspeakably, excruciatingly, dear sweet mercy I want to claw my retinas out dull it may seem, Going to the same places and doing the same things in the same way at the same time every single day afforded Simon a clarity of mind and a sense of stability. To Simon, the daily walk to work from the grounds of Excelsior was like soaking in a hot bath of cake whilst watching well-behaved dogs receive pats on the head. Though he probably wouldn't phrase it that way himself. It is unlikely, yes. Simon strolled through the wide gates and out onto Tower Clock Court, just as the Grand Tower Clock told the hour of noon. The bustling city centre was, as always, bustling. Steam carriages, automobiles and velocipedes trundled over the cobbles and flagstones, and pedestrians were perambulating from place to place. Right turn onto Excelsior Street. Past the harumphing toffs and clerks coming and going to and from important meetings at the Archimedes Club and Town Hall. Left turn onto Market Street, past the Horticultural Society, then the distant horn of the airship Reliant, coming into dock over the wharf, right on schedule. Pausing briefly at the corner of Market and Mason Street for postman Sputtertilt to careen past on his monowheel. The 
down hall onto the corner of Market and Calliope Row and the open window of Madame Crankhurst's corset boutique. Ah! Oh! Up the thoroughfare of Market Street, where the merchants were all trying to outdo each other. Fresh fruit, strawberries ripe today. Get your pocket squares, cotton and silk, two for a fiver. Care for a pie, sir? Fresh out of the oven. Dr. Delirium of Miracle Elixir, good for what ails you. Curios and trinkets for sale, exotic treasures from parts unknown. Fish! I'm selling fish! Nodding to Mrs. McCrivet with her somewhat oversized mechanical prosthetic right arm, sweeping the doorway of her general emporium. Oh, brother, these brooms are so flimsy. Under the rail traps, just as the 11.45 train to Gearchester was passing overhead, Late, as usual. The trains in England are required by law to run at least 20 minutes behind schedule, out of respect for tradition. Where was Protimus the robot? It could always be found idling outside the general repair shop by noon on a Wednesday. Not this Wednesday, apparently. Polishing! All surface polishing here. Step right up for a shine. Ah, and there was Jack Waxblot. Freelance polisher, advertising his services beside a chalkboard riddled with spelling errors. Polishing! Old surface polishing! You name it, I'll make it shine! Brassing copper, 50 pence an hour! Stealing iron, one pound fifty an hour! Wooden leather, three quid! Stone in marble, four quid! Precious metals, five quid! Polishing! Delicate but thorough! Honest labour and honest price! Jack and Simon were old friends, having grown up in the same tenement in Brick Lanes, the sort of neighbourhood where everybody knew everybody and what everybody owned, just in case it suddenly went missing, and where a cry of mum from the street would elicit a chorus of responses, whereas a cry of dad would elicit a chorus of crickets. Simon had always liked Jack. He was one of the most genuine fellows you could ever hope to meet, being just intelligent enough to know right from wrong, but not enough to ever actually be dishonest. Oi, oi, Sparky. Afternoon, Jack. How's business? Not too bad at all, mate. Look here. And that's just from one motor carriage. Jack, those are steel gaskets. <laughs> right. He tried to fob me off with that lead rubbish, but I wouldn't have it. Jack, you can't... Never mind. You all right, Sparky? Looks like somebody's let the air out your envelope. Punctured it, rather. Again. Is it them governor toffs you're always going on about? <sighs> let me ask you something, Jack. How would you go about finding someone you knew was alive, but had no idea where to look for? Cool. That's easy. I'm always looking for a customer, ain't I? I just make right sure they can hear me. Ball a shake. Step right up for a shine. Give me a surface and I'll make you see your face in it. Jack, that is... That's brilliant. Uh, I have to get to the station. Thank you, Jack. Happy to help, mate. Polishing! Simon, inspired, sprinted the rest of the way to work uphill. 
Between the rumble of Gernsback Falls, the drone of the 20 tremendous turbines, and the continuous crackling electrical vigor of the transmission tower, the Tesla Cliff Wireless Station and Power Plant was not a quiet place to work. But the work was important, respectable, and Professor Peenhammer had helped him get the job as senior technician. Sir Simon was never, ever late. In this case, he was early and made straight for the signal room. He had been calculating in his head all the way over and wasted no time in tuning the telegraphonic broadcaster to the proper universal frequency. Tapping primary coils at three turns, condensers all in series, that should do it. Strictly speaking, he wasn't certain if such a thing was permitted, but this was an important message and sometimes catching an elusive fish requires casting a wide net. And with the flick of a final toggle switch... Ooh, I do love a toggle switch. Simon began his vital transmission. Um, attention. This is an alert for all residents of Greater Corpusteam. Seeking information in regard to the whereabouts of Professor Rosamond Peenhammer. Last seen departing Excelsior University on the evening of the 12th of July. Subject is a late middle age, stands approximately five foot four inches tall, with green eyes, graying blonde hair, and a mole on her left cheek. Any useful information should be brought to the attention of Simon Sparkowitz, reachable by telegraphone at North End 453. Thank you. There. Let's see them ignore that. Somebody must know something of- Yeah! What? Where did you come from? Simon, upon turning around, was astonished to see a young woman wearing an aviator cap and flight rig pack standing across the room from him. Oh, I just popped in through the window a minute ago, but I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> Hello? Are you mad? That the, the, the tower's putting out megavolts! You could have been struck! Oh, this flight suit's fully insulated, thank you. <laughs> My name is Eloise Trapeze. I'm a mechano-apiculturalist and I- I, I, I know who you are. Look, you, you can't be in here. Please leave. Pardon me, but I'm only here looking for answers. Just like you were a moment ago. That's... that's not the... I work here! My hive has been having a spot of trouble with wireless interference of their receivers, and I'd like to know if the signals came from here. Uh, all right. No, they didn't. Happy? Thank you. Good afternoon. Well, if you aren't going to help me, there's no need to be rude. I thought you would have liked to know if your station were interfering with isolated circuits. Look... Tesla Cliff transmits power via standing waves. Do you get it? In the ground. Your drones don't have a ground connection, do they? There's no way that they could I be- I happen to know that your magnifying oscillator also transmits resonate frequencies through the upper strata of the aether. Are you telling me that your bees are flittering about at 600 miles up? What's that to pollinate up there? What makes you think that's all they're good for, hmm? I- Look, I'm sorry, but would you please just leave? You weren't supposed to be up here, and I could get into a lot of trouble. Sparkowitz! Oh, spiffing. Into the signal room stomped Mr. Flatfuse, chief electrician of Copperstein City, seemingly evolved from onions, and the human equivalent of a freshly stubbed toe. Sparkowitz! What is this girl doing here? You know right well that non-technicians are not permitted in the signal room. I didn't... I'm actually a fully qualified artificer, sir. <laughs> but never you mind, I was just leaving anyway. Tra! And so she did. Out the window. What's the meaning of this, Sparkowitz? <sighs> sir, 
I didn't let her in. She flew in through the open window. You shouldn't be leaving windows open, boy. I didn't... I was, however, referring to your unauthorized usage of the broadcaster. What the blazes were you thinking? You know, read well, that the frequency is intended only for official emergency transmissions. Explain yourself! Mr. Flatfuse... I don't want to hear it! You're on aerial duty until I say otherwise! Now get out of my sight! That's an odd thing to say before storming out of a room, isn't it? Yes, it is, rather. Surely that's the sort of thing you'd say to get somebody else to leave the room. Indeed. Lummox. Any which way and how, a bad end to a bad day for Simon Sparkowitz. Absolutely spiffing. Eloise, on the other hand, decided to take matters into her own capable gloves, and after a quick stop by the garden shed to pick up her sorted apparatus and three of her most reliable episodes, Miss Trapeze made straight for the second highest point in the city. The five-faced Grand Tower clock stands at 550 feet in height and at the exact center of the city, making it the perfect perch for a signal search. Alighting in the cupola of the chronometric obelisk, Miss Trapeze and her robot bees set about setting up her so sophisticated wireless wizamawootsit and pass the rest of the evening hours listening for the elusive, intrusive signal. morning tasted like burnt toast to Simon Sparkowitz, beyond the realm of breakfast. One would think that living five houses down from Corliss Camberwell, railway engineer and current title holder of world's loudest unconscious man, would be preferable to living right next door, but it really only meant that Simon had to walk past five houses in order to ask his neighbour to please stop snoring. Mr. Camberwell had been staunchly defending his title throughout the night, which had brought Simon very close to earning the title of world's most annoyed semi-conscious man, and left him more than a little dishevelled for early morning aerial duty. Number 10 Leatherstone Lane. Receiving. Yippee. Number 12, Leatherstone Lane. Receiving. Superb. Number 14, Leatherstone Lane. Receiving. Oh, happy day. Simon had thus far tested and confirmed the operational status of every wireless aerial on every edifice from Old Town to Stopgap Square. He was peeved. He was peeved at Mr. Flatfuse for reducing him to this monotonous chore. He was peeved at the governors for abandoning Peenhammer. He was peeved at Peenhammer for not telling him anything before she had up and vanished. He was peeved at himself for ever thinking he could ever get away with that broadcast. He was peeved at the pigeons for perching on the aerials and messing up his readings. There was a cloud above his head, and it was raining peeves. Turning onto Stopgap Square, he rested for a moment on the steps outside the rail hub depot. Only to be stampeded by the morning rail rush. (laughs) 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 
trying to be late, you blunt instruments. They're always bloody late. As he was dusting himself off, Simon felt a tug on his shirt. Oi, mister! He turned and looked down to see a fuliginous young ragamuffin whose soot-painted face and snarl of frizzly-wizzly bright red hair put him in mind of a coal fire. You're that bloke, ain't ya? That one what was squawking on every wireless yesterday, like. Who are you? Oi! I asked you first. Yes, that was me. What so? recognize your voice, didn't I? Yes, you did. Who are you? My name's Penny, Gov. Penny Peppersass. I run these streets, Savvy. Do you? Well, perhaps you can see to it that pedestrian traffic outside the station is a smidge less tumultuous in the future. Or you could just mourn where you're idling, eh, Gov? Is there something I can do for you? It's what I can do for you, like. You're looking for that fatty bird with the boot on her head, yeah? What? No. She's a professor. What are you on about? Short old bird with white custard hair and a mole on her cheek. Kind of looks like a baked bean. Well, yes, that's her. I seen her, Gov, but she weren't no professor. She had a welly on her head and were combing her hair with a folk. She what? And the gent hadn't even finished his drops and mash yet. Still had gravy on it. Where was this? And when? Just yesterday. Outside the bow and stovepipe on Anchor Street. Round the corner from the Claude Tea Rooms. But she ain't there now, like. Then where is she? Well, sir, I'd like to tell you, but me memory's a bit foggy, you see. Is it? That's right. Feeling a bit light-headed, come to think of it. Haven't had much to eat today, you see. Poor street urchin that I am. I see. Yes, indeed, sir. It is a wretched lot, mine. Though, perhaps if I were to come upon a few coins, what with to purchase myself a bit of nourishment, I might feel sharp enough to recall. Yes, wouldn't that just be bells and wizards? Oh, would you look at that. Ten shiny shillings, as if sent by the ethers above. Oh, the serendipity. Hmm, if only the ethers knew that a cob and chips from Craddock's cost three quid. <sighs> oh, look. An additional two pounds ten shillings. Where's the professor? She got nicked, didn't she? Some blue bottle came and carted her off for public lunacy like. Funny how your memory came back before you'd had your cotton chips. Right, she'll be at Stopgap Yard then. You hear what I said, Gov? She's a loony. Copper would have taken her to ye old cracked pot. What? The pub on Ronstable Street? Why would they have done that? It ain't no pub, it's the Madman's Guild. Everybody knows that. What? That's a real thing? Believe you me, Gov. You ought to find your screw-loose friend. She'll be at ye old cracked pot. Cheers! Will Eloise's search lead her to the source of the signal? Will Simon find answers at ye old cracked pot? Will a duck's quack echo if you bring it into a cathedral? William Tell didn't like apples very much. What did apples ever do to him? To possibly find out, Join us again next time. Until then... Stay mad, my duckies.
that chapter of I've Got No Spoon featured Isaiah Plovnik as Von Arkham, Ashley Ristine as Wellsburg, Peter Wallace as Simon Sparkowitz, and Kerry Keebaugh as Eloise Trapeze, with Elizabeth Ross as Auntie Pym, Lily Dean de la Quercia as Jack Waxblot, Andrew Winson as Mr. Flat Hughes and Mrs. McRibbit, Rebecca Green as Penny Peppersass, Chingwe Patrick Sullivan as Postman Sputtertoot, and additional voices by Andy LeBlanc, Phoebe Roberts, Eric Chung, Naomi Ibisitas, Jeremy Holstein, Jackie Fryman, Aaron Stolliker, and Justice Perry. The announcer was Mike Haddad. The music was by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Green Commons. I've Got No Spoon was written and directed by Isaiah Plovnik, with editing by Michael McAfee and Isaiah Plovnik. It was recorded at Brookline Interactive Group and the Creative Collective in Salem, Mass., and was a Madman's Guild production for the post-Meridian radio players. Ah, never heard such drivel in my life. Thanks for joining me for this episode. The Mad Men's Guild will return soon, but in two weeks we'll be bringing you our Christmas show, an adaptation of the film Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. If you like what you hear, you can check out more about the PMRP at their website, pmrp.org, or their new Bandcamp store, pmrp.bandcamp.com. This is Nick Scratch signing off, and if I can never find my way out of here, I'll see you around the dial. This has been a production of the Post Meridian Radio Players. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. For more information about our group, please visit www.pmrp.org.